Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. Please adjust your settings at the top menu or the bottom menu and click advanced or higher quality and bump your video settings up to 720 or 1080p so that you have a clear streaming picture to work with. Today I am continuing with the series that the Lord moved me to start, I think it would be almost a month ago now. I am calling it the Alien series, the Nephilim series, the Fallen series. And today I am, with the Lord's help, going to go over quite a few verses to help open the understanding of those who may have never heard these things before. If you've been watching this channel for even a minimum length of time, you would have noticed that the recent videos are covering the coming of extraterrestrials to this earth in the future time. It is talking about ships. It is talking about who and what these creatures are. But the Lord has been speaking to me in my private time to open up the understanding of those who have no idea why these creatures would come to the earth. So um, if you look at things like the History Channel and you look at other other places that talk about the fact that there were alien races and unknown races on the earth in the ancient times, then you may just think, how did this incursion happen in history? Where did they come from? What makes aliens suddenly start coming to this world and trying to interact with humanity? The truth of the matter is that this stretches much further back. And in order to understand the Nephilim or any other type of being on the earth, you will have to understand what is at the core of Bible history. If you're just reading your Bible and you think that it's only a book that talks about the laws of God and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and how man ought to live, how man ought to interact with man and how man ought to interact vertically with his God. At the core of scripture is an age old story. And that age old story is centered around the age old truth of the battle of good versus evil. There's some people who say that evil does not exist, but I beg to differ if you have working eyes or if you have ears that can even basically hear the headlines of today. Evil is not some metaphorical construct. Evil is very real. Evil is the presence of everything that is anti-God. God himself representing truth, light, love, and everything that is righteous. Evil representing everything that is unrighteous, personified in the greatest of all evil, the personage of Satan. And so at the core of the Bible is a story. And this story is central to anyone's understanding of the end times. You cannot grasp the judgment of the end times. You will not be able to understand verses like where, where Peter says, this entire earth and all that is in it is reserved for fire. If you think, for instance, that Noah's flood that cleansed and purged the earth through water was too much and it was such a strong, severe and unnecessarily harsh judgment without understanding this ongoing saga that runs through the entire Bible as well as extra biblical text, like this very thin thread that you cannot get away from, then you will not understand why the earth is once more going to be consumed in fire by God's wrath. You will not understand why there are such harsh judgments, for instance, coming to the United States. Believe it or not, the United States also plays a part in this. 
And so today, with the Lord's help, I'm going to look at a few verses concerning fallen angels. Fallen angels. And so when I woke up this morning, how the Lord greeted me this morning was with a part of the verse that we can find in Jude chapter 1, verse 6. And he said to me, today you will speak of the angels which kept not their first estate. And so the fullness of that verse can be found here in Jude chapter 1 and verse 6. And it says, And the angels which did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. I think in the King James, it says something closer to what the Lord says. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Now we know that the great day is the day of the Lord, the day when God's wrath will be revealed against all mankind, all the earth, every high thing will be brought low. And God will unleash a fury here, which if you're not aware of it, you're welcome to spend time in the book of Revelation, which actually gives a play-by-play of how things are going to go in the end times. And I think this would be a good time for me to point out that this is an end times prophecy channel. So I'm not here, Celestial, I am not here giving my own opinion. Many people, they interact or they attempt to interact and say, well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? You need to understand that this is not a psychic forum. This is not a place where I'm sharing my views. I've always endeavored to say that on this video, on these videos so that it can be understood. There are many people who have channels and they claim that these are prophecy channels, but they're sharing their views. They're saying things like, I guess if this happens, then that will happen. And they are attempting, I guess, from the scripture to bring about their own understanding and teach people. But that is not what is happening here. Here I am bringing you the word of the Lord that I have received. And therefore I am a messenger that is bringing out to you what God wants his people, whoever wants to count themselves, his people, even if you are not saved, even if you find this video, wherever you find it, God is attempting. And I say attempting because the result is, is finally with our hearts, whether or not we receive the Lord's words, it's up to each individual heart that hears these words. This is not opinion. And this is not conjecture. This is actual truth drawn from scripture. So I am pulling from ancient writings that predate me by thousands of years. And I am speaking out to flesh out the things that God has said will be again. And so whenever there is surprise or there is shock or there is why are these judgments happening? These judgments have been written since time immemorial. The timing is now that they are going to start to play out. And so it's very necessary for us as believers, especially people who have been in the church a long time, but you have not been taught these things. It is crucial that you have this understanding because without this deeper understanding of the battle of good versus evil and the coming of the unclean upon the earth at the last times, you might read things like Daniel and you might read uh, where Daniel talks about the iron that is mingled with the clay. And you might read the book of Revelation where it says that the devil and his angels were cast down. I spoke about that um, last, last video in Revelation chapter 12, verses eight, seven to nine. 
If you don't understand what it's talking about, the casting down of the angels to the earth and things like that, you will not have a deeper understanding of what this earth is going to face in the end prophetic days. And so it says here, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved his people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those of them who did not believe. This is Jude chapter one and verse five. And so Jude is saying that I just want to have it on your mind that God is a person who has no problem with saving a group of people, but destroying out of that group those who walk in unbelief. Jude is reminding a new generation of Jews here. And he's saying, remember that God saved all of his people from Egypt. So God did not leave any Israelite behind. But then when the Israelites were in the wilderness, which is the time of purging and testing, God had no problem telling the bulk of them, all who were over the age of 20, that because their hearts were so hard and because they would not listen and hear the prophetic direction of Moses, who had been sent to lead them into the promise that God had for them. Jude is telling them here, don't forget that God first saved everybody, but then destroyed a great multitude from among them from unbelief. And then he goes on to say, and even the angels who would not stay in their proper place, but they left their first estate. God has now kept them in everlasting chains under darkness for him to judge at the great day. And so here I will share a vision that is on the master's voice. I cannot remember exactly what prophecy it is in, but I have seen this image many times of the Lord. And the first time I saw it was maybe six or seven years ago. And it was very, very frightening. Actually, um, I will speak of another vision. The very first time that the Lord showed me that fallen angels were a thing. It was in the year 2006. So the Lord had not yet started to open deeper truths to me about the fallen and what was really going on in my Bible and what was really happening in Genesis 6 and things like that. I was sitting in bed and I was praying. I was sitting up in bed and the room was dark and I was praying and I was speaking earnestly to the Lord. I was just laying out my heart to the Lord as is my fashion to always speak to the Lord in the morning and at night before I go to sleep or right after I wake up. And this vision came before me and it was such, excuse me, it was such a scary, scary image that I remember saying to God, please never show me that again. I did say that to the father. I was very young at the time. And this is what I saw. I saw myself as a watcher upon a great hill or a mountain. And it was nighttime. The sky was pitch black and there was a storm brewing. So there were great thunderheads in the sky. And upon that mountain were kneeling about eight princes, this is what the knowledge was put in my heart. These are the princes. This is the judgment of the dark princes. And these princes, each one wore upon his head a black hood. So, you know, in ancient times, when you were about to be executed for a crime, they would put a black hood upon your head and then they would hang you or they would cut off your head. And 
The rationale behind this was you are going to be put to death. You should not be able to watch or perceive your death coming. And so as a form of a small mercy, they put a hood on your head so that when the executioner actually rolls his ax or when they pull the lever and you fall through, you don't know the exact moment that you're going to die. I saw these eight huge men but they were bigger than men. They were very, very big and they were on their knees and their hands were bound behind their backs and they were dressed all in black. Some of them had capes, so they were wearing black clothing and then some of them have had capes. Some of them were just kind of dressed like Zorro and they were all on their knees. Standing next to them was the biggest, blackest angel I have ever seen. This angel was black from head to foot. His entire body was black. His skin was black, not the skin of a black person. He was as black as night, as black as this inky sweater that I'm wearing. His whole self was black. He was all black and he carried a black sword, huge black wings, and he stood there waiting to execute the judgment of the Lord against these eight that were kneeling at the top of that mountain. And this entire scene, and the Lord said to me in my heart, behold, the judgment of the princes. And this scene terrified me so much because I could see it projected. It was as if it was upon my bedroom wall, but it wasn't actually projected on the surface of the wall. It was just before me. It was all I could see. I could not see my room. I just saw myself standing on this mountain with these eight about to have their heads cut off by this mighty, mighty angel, whom was death, whom was judgment, who was many things balled up into one. And my heart failed me. And I said, Lord, please. And the Lord directed the angel and the angel moved as if to take the hood off one of the faces of these princes. But I knew, I felt that if I as a human being was to see the face of whoever was under that hood, my heart would stop. And I cried out to the Lord, Lord, please. And the entire thing went away. That was the very first time, it would be 2006, that I saw such a thing. And so I am talking about the angels which kept not their first estate. And now I will continue to the vision that I said is on the master's voice. It, it has appeared in one or two prophecies, and it was a picture that I saw quite often. And so I wrote it down in my journal. What the Lord showed me was a very massive volcano. So I saw here a mountain here on the earth. This is not a heavenly mountain. There are mountains in heaven, but this was not a heavenly mountain. This was an earthly mountain and underneath that mountain was an active volcano. So basically the mountain was an active volcano and deep in the bowels of the mountain where the lava runs. We've seen in the movies that lava runs, but it, it may not fill every chamber. So as long as the magma, the lava is deep down in, in the chambers of the mountain. The mountain is unbearably hot, but it's not full and spilling out lava. I saw a creature chained. I cannot call this a man, even though the shape of it was a man, but it was very huge in the body with impossible muscle definitions. There's no human being on earth 
who can work out to that level to have that many muscles. This person was ripped and every single part of the body that has a muscle was showing. And I saw this creature from the back. It had no hair. It was exactly shaped like a bald man. So it looked like a very huge, um, humanish bald man. And this creature had massive chains on both wrists. So these huge, huge, huge chains, links as big as, you know, the links of a chain, massive links. It had huge iron chains on both hands. And this mountain was hot, but what was bothering this beast, this man creature underneath the mountain was not the heat of the mountain. He was untroubled by the heat. Watching him, this knowledge came to my heart. It is not the heat of this mountain that bothers this man. He is bothered by the fact that he is chained. Because he is chained, he is enraged. And I felt in me the rage of this man creature. It was such an insurmountable rage and hatred against the ones who had put him there. And every now and then, whenever I would see this vision, he would raise his hands and take hold of the slack in the chain and then go, and he would beat these chains upon the earth. He would smash these chains upon the earth. Um, under, under, the, under this volcano, this active volcano, in an attempt to break the chains. And God will always show me this to confirm to me what the scripture says in Jude chapter 1 and 6. And the angels who would not keep their proper domain, their proper estate, their first estate, he has reserved in everlasting chains under, dark, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. I want to announce to you here, in case you have never heard it in a church sermon where they were telling you about how to have influence and how to release your inner David, that underneath the mountains of this physical earth upon which we live, the Lord has kept the 200 watchers who came down from heaven, came down from their abode, to sleep with human women, to take of them wives of whom they chose. And we go now to Genesis chapter 6. Just bear with me here. Genesis chapter 6. And I will only read from verses 1 to 4. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were men of old, men of renown. So we know the word renown is, the word renown means to be of a great history. It means to be of a great 
storyline. So men of renown are men whose fame travels the earth by reason of their deeds, by reason of the things that they have done, by reason of the great and the mighty works that they have accomplished. But I say to you that these sons of God, if you would only take the time to open your concordance, or even if you don't own a concordance, simply go online and look up the phrase Bene Ha Elohim or Bene Elohim, as they are put in some translations, you will find that these sons of God are not the sons of Seth, as has been tiresomely taught to the modern day church for 50 or 60 years or however long they've been telling people that these were just um, righteous men who descended from Seth. I'm not going to get into this right now because there are so many teachings on the master's voice that go through this in detail. All I will say is that these sons of God were actually 200 angels from a class called the watchers. The watchers are angels that have been appointed by the Lord and they sit in the heavenly places, almost like watching eyes, like eyes that the Lord has set around the rim of the earth. And they watch the earth according to the command of the Lord Jesus. And they write down everything that happens in it. Everything that you and I do is written down in the books. So if you've ever heard in the Bible that the court was called and the elders were seated and the books were open and you were thinking, oh no, it's just the book of life. No, I submit to you that there are multiple books that will be opened at the end of time. Our lives are recorded in excruciating detail. And this is how God can confidently say to all humanity, say to all flesh, we will answer for every idle word. We will answer for every deed. We will answer for everything that we left undone. We will answer for every thought. If you're wondering how will God know every thought, don't think that just because God is omniscient, that he's taking the time to watch you with camera eyes. No, all of this stuff is what is considered petty stuff. And it is assigned to a class of angels called the watchers. And the reason the watchers fell is that these ones in the book of Enoch, the Lord has instructed me to read Enoch chapter seven on camera. And I will do that instead of all the, the watchers keeping their eyes on the earth to simply record a group of watchers became transfixed. And this is things that the Lord has taught me per personally. They became transfixed by watching what God called human interactions, particularly the act of love, the act of love that is only supposed to be practiced between a married man and a, a married woman. The angels became very perplexed by watching this act in which human beings give and take love, fellowship, intimacy and togetherness. And they began to ponder on it. What is it that human beings draw from this? What is it that humanity finds from this? Why do they become the way that they become when they fall in love? And this is what inserted a hook into the heart of this class of angels and what eventually led to their fall. And so I now proceed to read from, please excuse me, um, trying to handle everything here at the same time. I now proceed to read from the book of Enoch and I will go over chapter seven on camera as the Lord has instructed me. I already read for you where it says, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, this is Genesis chapter six, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men 
were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now listen to what Enoch, which is not in the Bible, says. It happened after, forgive me, it happened after that the sons of men had multiplied in those days, and daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, beheld them, they became enamored of them, means to fall in love, saying to each other, come, let us select for ourselves wives from the children of men, and let us have children. Then their leader, Samyaza, said to them, I fear that you may perhaps be indisposed to the performance of this enterprise. He was basically saying, I worry that now that we have made this decision, some of you may change your mind to do this thing. Now, why would an angel say that? Because they know that they are not given to procreation. The Bible says that when we pass away, we will be like the angels in heaven who neither marry or are given in marriage. And so right there, it is shown that the class called angels are not created to procreate as we are. Procreation, the act of making love and bringing forth seed after our own kind, is a very specific gift that God has given only to those that dwell on the earth, human beings, fish, bird, and even the flora and fauna around us, meaning that the trees and the flowers and the other plants are given this gift by the Lord to procreate in our own way and multiply. But the angels are not given this right. It is not the heritage of angels to take wives and have children. And so all those who are teaching that the sons of God are merely good men, the sons of Seth, how do you explain where it says in the text, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, if these are the sons of God, and you argue that they are men, there is no need for the Bible to be pedantic and then say that the women are the progeny of men. It should simply say the sons of God saw the daughters of God, that they were fair and took wives from among them. It should not make a differentiation and say these sons that God had saw daughters that came from men. It's clearly pointing to two different classes and that goes against what is taught in the Genesis covenant, Genesis chapter one to Genesis chapter three, where God continuously makes each kind and then says that it is good and he says that kind should only bring kind. He even says of the plants, these are seed bearing plants that should each bring out after their own kind. So kind should be with kind. You should not cross kinds because that breaks the Genesis one to three covenant. And so this angel here, knowing that he is about to lead others into transgression and not that he was leading them for it says that they all took agreement with one another and said, let us find wives and let us have children. He said that I fear you may perhaps change your mind in performing this enterprise and that I alone will be punished for such a grievous crime. But they answered him and they said, no, we all swear and we bind ourselves by mutual, mutual execrations, which basically means we all make this same binding and permanent promise that we will not change our minds about this. We shall not change our intention, but we will indeed carry out our projected undertaking. Verse seven, then they all swore together and they all bound themselves by mutual execrations, the same binding promise. And the whole number of them that did this was 200 who came down upon Ardis, which is at the top of Mount Armon.
or should we say Mount Hermon. That mountain, therefore, was called Armon because they then swore upon it and they bound, bound themselves by mutual execrations. And then the text names them, and then it goes to verse 10 and it says, then they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach, and with whom they cohabited, teaching them sorcery, incantations, and the dividing of roots and trees. And here is Genesis proved. And the women conceived and brought forth giants whose height was 300 cubits. And the giants devoured all the labor that men could produce until it became impossible to feed them. Then they turned themselves against men and began to devour men. And they began to sin against the birds, the beasts, the reptiles, the fishes, and to eat their flesh one after the other and to drink their blood. And then the earth cried out against these unrighteous. So if you've been in the normal church setting and whenever it comes to this and they're trying to explain the flood to you, they're telling you that basically human beings slept with other human beings and then all of a sudden giants appeared on the earth and that's why God had to get rid of it because the earth was so corrupt and everything. They have left out. There are many scholars out there who know the truth of what I'm speaking, but because they have made the executive decision that they're their flock would not be able to accept this. They have kept the truth back from God's people. And so God's people are living in a very deep darkness. But I have noticed that in the last decade, God has started to open this up to his people sovereignly. So he has started to lead his people to websites and to teachings and um, to sermons and to videos, even like this one. This may be your first time hearing it, but I can assure you that you are hearing actually what is at the core of the Genesis story and why God said to Satan in the garden when judging him that your seed will be always at odds and constantly an enemy of the seed of the woman. Seed is the core story at the center of scripture. And so these angels came and they slept with women. And just as Genesis 6, 4 says, there were giants on the earth and after that, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they had children from them, there it is replicating. I'm pointing at my laptop right now. There is this truth replicated in the book of Enoch that the women, after they took wives, each one choosing for himself, they began to approach these women and they cohabited. What does cohabitation mean? To all the modern people, cohabitation just simply means shacking up, sharing the same home, sharing the same bed setting up house, playing house, taking a woman in marriage, except that when this woman would bear a child, these women brought forth huge giants. And the reason that they were giants is because when an eternal spirit as an angel uses a human vessel to emit seed into the body of a woman, she can take that seed and she can attempt to cook it into something but when she gives birth to it, it will grow up and reflect its greater parentage. 
Now we all know in the study of genetics, you might have a blue-eyed father, you might have a dark-eyed mother, and the father may be blonde and the mother may be dark-haired. And depending on whose genes are stronger, I'm not going to attempt to speak to which one might be, but depending on whose genes are smaller, stronger, you might find that the children all come out reflecting the, no the Nordic look of their father. So a woman would give birth to five kids, three kids, and all the kids will come out looking like their father, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, and there's not even a single one that gives a nod to mom or as she continues to bear children the probability increases that at least one of the children will come out carrying his mother's hair which is dark his mother's eyes which is dark we see this in mixed relationships all the time that the children are neither as light as their father or as darker of their mother but they bring about a mixture and that is what the nephilim were the nephilim came out in human casing as a nod to the human casing that their fathers put on. And they also came up with the human casing, meaning a body, as a nod to the genetics of their mother. But when these children began to grow, they began to exhibit huge, huge stature. What does it say? 300, is it 300? No, yes, 300 cubits. That is extremely huge. In another, in another translation, it actually says their height was 3,000 L's, E-L-L-S. And when you look that up, we're talking about skyscraper height. So these are people that grew, and the Bible says that they began to devour all the labor of men. If you're wondering why ancient texts always talk about people working to feed a great king, and they had to go and give him tribute, even in um, the feudal system in much of Europe, the Lord always was fed by the peasants. So the peasants would farm and then all the peasants would take a portion of what they make and they would take it to the house of the Lord. That is actually a drawdown from this very first form of crude governance that was taking place, that the giants required great amounts of food and humanity became almost like their slaves working in the fields day and night to produce the amount of food that one giant could eat. And remember, it says multiplied on the earth in those days, which means that the giants were growing up and marrying the giant sisters, having giant babies and creating giant towns and cities. And so, I will speak of one such giant. I was very surprised by the Lord today. Father, give me the grace to speak. I was very surprised when the Lord began to speak to me of one particular giant called Og of Bashan. And Og's story can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 3. I will simply read from my Bible. Please bear with me. God was speaking of Og of Bashan. And before I go to the text, I can just say that what the Lord revealed to me about this giant really surprised me. And then the text says, then we turned and we went up the road to Bashan and, the, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people to battle us at Edre. And the Lord said to me, do not fear him, for I have given him and all his people in his land into your hand. You will do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt at Heshbon. So the Lord our God delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and we attacked him until he had no survivors left. 
We took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities all found in the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. These cities were fortified cities with high walls and gates and bars, and beside them a great many unwalled towns. And we utterly destroyed them, just as we did to Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. Now I will share from my own life, which I do not usually do, but for the case of understanding, I will share here. When I was first born again, I read the Bible as it should be read from the beginning to the end. I read it from back to front because that is how I know books should be read. And as I was going through these ancient stories, these ancient accounts, actually, they're not stories, they're historical accounts, I would often lift my head and say, but God, why so much violence? But God, why so much violence? And I would continue reading. I'm aware that many people actually stay away from God and they reject God because they feel that the Bible is a very bloody book. So they find to live in a world that is bloody now with all the sins that they and their friends and their families commit, but somehow they're sanctimonious about the amount of blood that is being shed in the ancient scriptures. So let me continue. I would always ask this question, why so much violence? But it never drove me away from God. There was something in me that the moment I found out about God and I gave my life to the Lord, I hungered for his presence and I really hungered to know the truth of the scripture. And so I, was, I would read and I would hear how the Lord would send the Israelites against a town or a city and say, utterly destroy the men and the women and the children, leave none alive, kill even the sheep and goats. And I would think, but don't the Israelites usually take the sheep and goats and offer them as a sacrifice? And yet you heard me read from the book of Enoch that when the giants began to grow up, they were sinning against bird, beast, reptile, and fish. These were actually the first creatures to practice genetic modification. This is why you find later in ancient, I mean, this is why you find in ancient stories and ancient accounts that people are worshiping gods that have heads, that have heads of reptiles and the bodies of men, that have the bodies of a man and the head of a bull, and you find this story replicated civilization after civilization after civilization. This is from the beginning of history. This is from Noah's day. This is from the beginning of all peoples before and after the flood. And so God would want none of those contaminated animals to be brought to his altar as a sacrifice. And so the Lord said to me this morning, and I really have to read this for understanding of those who may be listening and have stuck with me thus far. Og of Bashan, this Nephilim will return to the earth. He will be revived again from DNA. There will be giants and other creatures revived from DNA in the time of the end. Pharaohs, for instance, the genetic material of the pharaohs is held in the care of museums. These will come again, raised from the dead. The ancient Nephilim will be again, but also new bioengineered forms of the Rephaim shall appear and terrorize this world as never before. This is punishment of man's iniquity, to dwell with wickedness as he has been wicked in his turn. Doors have been opened for these spirits and beings to flood into the earth, and flood into the earth they will. But this one, Og of Bashan, will live again. 
He will be revived through technological marvels involving DNA and reverse engineered. He will be reverse engineered back to life. So if you come to this channel and you are expecting to hear election results or other such petty matters, understand that the Lord Jesus is very zealous for the souls of his church. It is necessary for the church to lift its mind and its understanding above the very basicness of the scripture as they have been taught. The Lord is speaking here of a very ancient Rephaim, which is just one form of giant. Og of Bashan, let us go through. It says, for only Og of Bashan remained of the remnants of the giants. This is Deuteronomy chapter three and verse 11. Indeed, his bed was an iron bed. Is it not in Rabbah, there with the people of Ammon? It was nine cubits in length and four cubits in width, according to the standard cubit. If you do a little light research on the internet, you will find that Og of Bashan's bed was more than 13 feet long and six feet wide. Now understand that six feet is usually how we measure people, usually men, going in an upward version. So if you want to lay six feet on his side and try to imagine a bed that is more than six feet long, I want you to think briefly of the body that is lying in a bed that is 13 plus feet long and six feet wide. I can assure you that absolutely no one, not even the tallest, biggest person in the NFL or the tallest, biggest person in the NBA has those dimensions. These are the dimensions of this particular Nephilim. And the Lord is revealing here, and I prophesy to you by the Spirit of the Lord, that in these final times, there will come DNA manipulation that will be able to bring back creatures, beings, and personages that were long dead. They will be reverse engineered either from their, their mummy shrouds. So when a mummy is wrapped, obviously his body has been cleansed, his body has been washed, his body has been oiled, and then little strips of cloth have been laid upon him along with resin and other such spices to preserve the bodies. And this is why as they are finding mummies now and keeping them in the museums, you would be shocked to find that there's still little flecks of flesh and tissue sticking to the way these beings will preserve. Now you can understand who instructed the pharaohs how to preserve their bodies and how to keep certain bodies so that across thousands of centuries, these bodies have made it intact enough into the 21st century to contain bits of flesh, bits of dried blood, and lots and lots of bones that can be used in superior reverse engineering DNA technology. I have shared on the blog many times that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be again. Now that you have heard on camera how it was in the days of Noah, who was walking around in the days of Noah, who was sleeping with who in the days of Noah and giving birth to what's in the days of Noah. Understand that the spirit of the Lord God is warning the church now that we will see these things come back and dwell among us. The last thing that the Lord said about Og of Bashan, here I talk about how Joshua is recounting that they went to war against Og of Bashan and they took all of Og of Bashan's territory. The Lord said the most stunning thing to me 
celestial. Og will demand his inheritances from the descendants of those who took his land. Og will demand his cities, his towns, and his land from the descendants of those who took his 60 cities, killed his people, and as the scripture says here, attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. But the Lord says to declare unto the descendants of those who did this, that he is the Lord their God. And as they defeated him in those days, they will defeat him again. I will stop this teaching here. I'm letting you know now that this is going to be a very long series. This might be the longest series that I do on the master's voice. There's simply too much information that the Lord has given me concerning this. And I plan to go through it slowly for the benefit of those who may have never heard it before to those who have heard it. Um, may the Lord bless you in your understanding. Perhaps there will be one or two things that you never heard before, but to the majority of the church that is just waking up, understand that the sons of God are angels, the Bene Elohim, they are not good and godly men. You have to be willing to do the work. I always say this, the tagline of this ministry is do the word and do the work. You have to be willing to do the research. If I could spend the years following the voice of the Lord, looking into these matters, writing down the revelations that he was giving me and definitely being faithful enough to record the dreams, then the least that we can do when we come to this channel is be willing to do the basic research. Basic research is so much more, it is so much more useful and it is of so much more richness to you than simply the laziness of asking a question. Asking a question is not bad. My parents always told us that asking a question is a mark of intelligence, but many of the questions that are asked are unfortunately not of the best type. They simply are questions that is hoping that someone will spoon feed, that someone will do all the work. And this is not a place where you can just ask questions and expect that there will be time to cater to all those questions. This is the time that we are not children. It is time to take up the sword. It is time to gird on the armor of the Lord. And one of the most important pieces of armor is the helmet of salvation. Our salvation needs to be whole and our salvation needs to be complete by having all the necessary information. And so the coming of these things will be back on the earth. They will come back on the earth. And this is why the scripture says in Luke 21, men's hearts failing them for the things that are coming upon the earth. I can assure you that the Bible is not talking about tsunamis, wars, rumors of wars, and earthquakes, which are things that we have seen for generations. It is talking about what the eye has never behold, beheld. It is talking about what we have never experienced, the mingling of human seed with unclean seed. As these angels slept with women, in the past, they shall return, and they have already been modifying the human genome. They have already been creating multiples of hybrids of themselves, but the day will come when they will manifest themselves as themselves, and of course, women and men, as the Lord has revealed, will take them as lovers. So until I see you again, this is Celestial with the Master's Voice. God bless each and every one of you that comes to this channel, that learns from this channel, that takes the words of the Lord's back to test them in prayer 
that the Lord will certify to you that it is his spirit that speaks here. I thank you to each and every single person that sends a donation or a gift to this ministry. Thank you for supporting this work. This is my labor of love to the Lord. And I pray for each person that decides to sow their seed here. I ask you please not to use Cash App. I am not using it. It is a difficulty for me. So if you have a gift to make, please check the description box and read the instructions there. And then that will be that will be a blessing and i thank you in advance for it i will put this prophecy in a modified form on the master's voice and put the link later always check back in a few hours for the links and until i see you again god bless you keep you teach you and preserve you lead you into all truth and cover you with his eternal wings until i see you again goodbye